Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Live. Today, we've got a very interesting session, which is very topical, the property market. What's going to happen to the property market going forward? Today, we're in political turmoil. Interest rates have shot up in the UK and they're shot up everywhere. And inflation is running at a higher figure in most places uh, because of the Ukraine war and because of uh, a number of other factors. So we really need to take a look at uh, where we are. I've got three guests on today on my panel. Alan McCulloch, who's an architect. Uh, Nick Richardson, who is a lawyer or solicitor. Uh, we've been talking about what's the difference between a lawyer and a solicitor. I don't know, but it doesn't make any difference. And all the way from San Francisco, Craig Adams, who's a real estate broker or an estate agent, or everyone's got different names, haven't they, these days? Anyway, first of all, um, I'm going to read out very quickly a report that Ken Mead, a property expert, has sent me this morning because he can't be with us. So this is what Ken tells me. Property asking prices will have to fall by 10% if vendors are wanting to sell by Christmas, as most properties on the market are overpriced. Property prices will also fall by a further 10% in the next month, six months, if people want to sell. Sellers with existing buyers that need a mortgage will have to hold their breath to see if the mortgages come through. Mortgage valuers are being really cautious with their loan to value uh, mortgages. Some mortgage offers are only valid for three months and buyers are panicking now to get exchange of contracts. More fixed mortgages are coming to the end of their term and people are going to be very surprised with the new interest rates and payments. Cash buyers are still around. They were able to offer quick deals, which might be good when there's fire sales. Chinese and Far Eastern money is still coming into the UK as they're seeing the UK as a safe haven, despite what's been going on. Viewings on new to, new to the market properties have dried up as buyers are waiting to see what is going to happen. Cashed up buyers will sit pretty to pounce on possible deals for the next six months so that's what's been going on in the UK they answer some of the questions you've sent in to me this morning but I'd like to uh, switch over to Craig Adams in San Francisco and Craig just an update on what's happening in California or in San Francisco particularly uh, well thank you Derek so I have to agree with Ken Mead's assessment uh, quite a bit I think our economy is mirroring a lot of what's happening in the UK but San Francisco itself is a bubble. We have a very unique, you know, we're a, we have a peninsula, essentially. It's already built out and it's surrounded by this beautiful bay. And then there's communities surrounding us. So everyone wants to live here at, at the high, high quality of life. And so the property values are there. They just seem to be protected. So when we have a real problem, our market tends to you know, be the last to be affected by it and then the first to recover so although you pay a pretty penny to live in the bay area the um the return over time is, has been consistent and good but you know i i think that our what we're seeing is a really unique phenomenon right now because in our business it, it appears that there's a growing inventory but it's a bit of a sleight of hand and uh, in fact, the inventory that's on the market has been dropping. So we're down about a little over 16% from where we were last year, which just means, you know, we're, we have less listings that are that are coming up. So people are hunkering down a little bit more. But then the sales volume is also basically being affected by that. So our sales volume is a little bit lower 
And so it appears that the inventory is growing, but just the opposite's happening. And I, I think what we're saying is that's a result of the interest rates going up. That's one of the one of the issues that we have to deal with. And people are just, they're kind of holding back a little bit. And so we, we, we've just been working on trying to encourage people to, if you're looking at buying, now's a really good time to buy. If you are worried about the interest rates, get it an adjustable rate interest. It's a little bit lower. And when the interest rates readjust, you can always refinance your property. So those are some of the factors that we're dealing with. But overall, it's been very healthy market in the Bay Area. And what are interest rates? What are what is a you know two year or five year fixed ballpark? Uh, I mean, here it's about yeah. five to six percent now. It's jumped up because of our uh, our issues. Yeah, yeah, right. Our our standard interest is a thirty year fixed interest rate. So that's how we do it here, and then that's amortized annually at, at over thirty years. So the interest rate that we have today is right around 6.5%, maybe wow. a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower, but that's that's about right where we're at at the moment. Wow. And um, I remember Patricia Fripp telling me that um, that um, house prices, prices in San Francisco were really expensive compared with the rest of California. But she also mentioned yeah. something unique, which was um, property tax. Did you mm -hmm. say something to me about property taxes is is the same from when you buy it to when you sell it? But if you buy a new property, you might be paying a lot more tax than. Or did I <laughs> did I misunderstand yeah. that under the glass of wine I was drinking with her at the time? Yeah, actually, no, we have what's called, you know, a, a proper proposition 13 was passed. And so that limits the increase in property taxes. So the, the property is assessed when you buy the property. And if you bought a property today, it would probably, the assessed value would probably be associated with the sale price. And then over time, you you have that property tax that um, is really fixed. It has a, a, a small amount of uh, increase every year, but it's 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 low. So if you hold on to that property for, for 10 years and it doubles in value, then the next guy buying the property is essentially paying twice as much in taxes which can be kind of sizable, you know, depending on the size of the property. Our average property in San Francisco today is about $2 million wow. for the average home in the city. And what do you, what do you get for that? What do you get for that, Craig? Two, two bedrooms or uh, do you get a million? That'd be about a three bedroom, two bath home um, with uh, one, one car parking and probably a small yard. Okay. So that's that's yeah. what you would get. Thanks, Craig. Uh, I'll come back to you if I may uh, uh, in uh, in a minute. But now I want to go to the next road from where I live to Alan McCulloch, my architect, friend, member of uh, our mastermind group. Let me tell you a little bit about Alan. He worked for a large architectural background company in urban design, Newtown Development, uh, worked in Hong Kong, which must be interesting when Alan was there, but even more interesting now and a bit uh, a bit scary. Uh, Alan, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Tell us your story and tell us what's going on in the um, in the extension market and the market that you are involved in. You're on mute, Alan. Yeah, <clears throat> thanks for having me. Um, 
basically we've come out of this sort of a post COVID lockdown where people were basically um, you know, trying to get more space because they had more time at home, garden rooms, home office and so forth, wanted to live in the countryside. I think that's calmed down a little bit uh, and it's a more, it's a more even arrangement. But um, so I've been dealing with these people who, you know, who sort of local residents who have sat on their home, um, spending more time in their home and they they want to do something to it. So it's uh, it's always interesting when somebody's been there for I don't know five, 10, 15 years. You go along and you and you try not to be too judgmental, but uh, you know, as an architect, you're trying to you're trying to meet their aspirations. You know, first of all, they they need to usually have to make them agree on their aspirations because you know it's not often that couples you know agree on everything or certainly not priorities. So. And then there's that, so it's like doing a SWOT analysis. Basically you say, you know, and, and if there are things you can critical about, you've got to, you've got to introduce these things a little bit uh, subtly. You know, if it is, it's really dark in the middle, you think, well, you know, do you like, find out whether you're actually a mole or you like, do you like daylight? You know, and um, there, are, there are sort of, some people might say, well, you know, down the road they're in, they might say everybody's putting on, an extension so they're making it five bedrooms but and that's great if they've got the space and they've got car parking uh, but normally the architecture or the plan of a, a three-bedroom house doesn't easily upscale to a well-proportioned five-bedroom house because you know usually everything needs to go up in proportion you know the the sort of halls staircase you could, you don't want to go up a, a small staircase and go up to five bedrooms upstairs. So it's a, that sounds very prosaic, but it's uh, these are the things which which really uh, you need to get over without uh, trying to rock the boat. You're trying to say, well, the thing is moving a stair isn't that expensive, but everybody thinks, well, uh, Alan might contradict me here, but you know, generally speaking, the actual stair is only about a thousand pounds. You've got to find the landing and reorganize thing and get some light from the top. But, um, it, it, you know, in, in essence, you know, there, there are some there are some quick gains if they're willing to to be open. So um, it's it's you know, that's how I start. I don't know whether you want me to go on. Well, Alan, one of the things that uh, surprises me is that uh, you can walk into a property and I know you walked into our, into our daughter's property and you can immediately visualize what can be done to it. I just can't do that. That's just not on my radar. How did you learn to do that? Well, I mean, for a long time, I worked for large companies who work for volume builders or volume apartment developers. And, you know, they have a, you know, they have a patent book. They have you know, everything in its place in the right scale, in the right order. So I, I'm, I'm slightly indoctrinated. You know, if I'm in a, a largish house of any description, uh, you know, if I, I'm trying to find a utility room, you know, I'm trying to find a decent hall. Um, I'll try and um, not get things too idiosyncratic because I sort of uh, so it's like referring to you know standard arrangements because if you don't and you want to finish and resell and it's a lovely house a lovely location you get a lot of resistance from people saying oh, I'd love that house but I can't buy it because of this one thing and uh, I try and make sure that I, uh, I deliver even if they don't want to do that thing whatever that might be 
I, I tactfully try and say, well, it could be if you wanted to resell straight away, you should do this. And so it's a, it's a, it's a bit softly, softly, because you, you know you're really intruding on somebody's house when you're looking through their house. It's quite, mm. you know, mm. access all areas, which is pretty unusual. And um, how do you, how do you tell who's the decision maker, who's pulling all the strings when you walk in with a um, husband and wife or a wife and wife, as we do yeah. these days? It, you, it, you know, I think most people, you know, will be able to get that. You know, people do the who does the talking, who backs away, who, who, who doesn't really engage too much in terms of what they want. because They're already trying to reduce the budget. So it's usually to get me around. It's a pent up demand and from one of the one of the uh, partners and um, and you know to be honest i have to go with the per person who's the keenest so i mean mm. okay they both need to agree i guess but um it's it's pretty obvious right from the yeah. start yeah 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 and um yeah okay that's great alan we'll come back to you any questions okay. short sharp questions in the chat box for any of our panelists i want to go to uh, nick richardson now uh, you'll have to unmute unmute I'm nick i can't say that properly can I? i'm so excited to be talking to you um what's going on in the uh, conveyancing market the uh, legal market the uh, ex-covid market uh, in your firm uh, nick it's it's interesting derek uh, i uh, alan and derek know me well enough to know that i i hate the word conveyancing it it hark backs to uh to an old process in in the english legal system that doesn't exist anymore but it's it, it's still it's still a term that's used most people understand it so i i'll I'll do the decent thing and, and use it again. Uh, Conveyancing, certainly in this country and Guildford Southeast in particular, there, there's still a, a lot of interest. There's still a fairly dynamic property market, but it's uh, certainly in, in my view, my experience, it's poised right on a cliff edge at the moment. Uh, all, all the smart money indicates that a bit like um, the ear, I've got an idea, Michael Caine in the, uh, the original Italian job before the bus plummets over the cliff edge and you never actually get to see that. That's pretty much exactly where we are. I'm I'm caught up in this myself because as Derek and Alan know, I'm trying to move house and I'm I'm hoping to exchange this coming Friday. And uh, as as Ken in his little email summary has put, uh, th those in that position, it, it's quite nerve shredding at the moment waiting for a call from the agent involved saying oh your your buyer's lost his mortgage offer uh what are we going to do here so fingers crossed that 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 can go well but um the prices have held up but everyone is is terrified that they're going to if you'll forgive the rather crude expression they're going to tank and uh, a number of people might be thinking of tactically uh, trying to sell at the top of the market, bank the money, go into rented accommodation, and then wait for the market to plummet, and then pick up a relative bargain, um, and they'll be in a very, very strong position to do that as as a cash buyer. So it's it's very, very difficult to know what's going to happen. Today's announcement that we have got uh, a, a new prime minister for sure it is very comforting. I, I make no comment on the individual involved, but hopefully there will be some. Uh, stability arising from that. It's a bit like in in a Zoom presentation where you're doing a PowerPoint. 
uh, someone calls for next slide, please. It's very tempting to say next chancellor or next P P PM, please. And that, that's pretty much uh, where we are. It's a bit of a, a, a comedic value worldwide. So hopefully the, the UK will have some credibility restored. It badly needs it, certainly. And Nick, you're, um, you're doing a very interesting thing personally, aren't you? I know that uh, you're... Uh because you've got your business in Guildford, you've been running it uh, from home on COVID and you're uh, moving to Cornwall. What's that all about? Well, it's it's just making practical or taking practical advantage of all the all, all the electronics that um, COVID has brought to us. So I'll be doing more remote working, but I'll be doing an interesting commute from Cornwall up to Guildford twice a week. There's, there's a very interesting uh, plane journey that goes from Newquay Airport up to Gatwick takes about an hour so you can you can drive four and a half hours each way or you can take the plane takes about an hour and then get the train in from Gatwick to Guildford so it's all it's all about um, taking advantage of what opportunities exist and trying to get a slightly more relaxed lifestyle it's um, very interesting for our American friends Cornwall is a fabulous place very uh, very remote fantastic beaches um, but quite a long way long way away wish you well with that nick and we'll come back to you um shortly craig i want to come back to you for a minute how do you tell and i, I know you're really good at selling and negotiating um and, and emotional intelligence how do you tell who's the key decision maker when you're uh, showing or deciding on a property oh i i love that question <laughs> it's, it, it's it, you become a student of just observation really because a lot of times the one that's the silent one is the decision maker and you don't really know that. So you have to be, you know, sometimes you have to really be attuned to what's happening with the partnership and follow the body language. And I ask a lot of questions and then I just, I, I just let them talk. So that's, that's, that's my secret. And, you know, a lot of times it's just getting into the conversation in just the slightest way uh, you find out a little bit of something they're interested in. And, and then it's like opening the floodgates, you know, um, for example, I mean, Derek, you like Arsenal. Well, it, it's like that opens up a whole different conversation, doesn't it? You know, so, you know, you, when you pick up on things like that, it's really just it's it's a wonderful you know, opportunity to get to know who, who who's the decision maker. And not only that, but I've been through the business a long time. I think what differentiates me as a salesperson as opposed to others is. I'm not trying to sell the house. Of course, that sounds a little funny saying that. But really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find the need for that other individual. And if this house is the right house for them, I want to point out the, the amenities and the features that are going to best suit their needs. And if not, then I'll help them find something that's better suited for them. So that's my attitude. And that's been very successful for me. Mm, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the soft sell or whatever we, different languages we use, it's uh, needs um, need selling isn't it yeah there's a question from paul coleman that i'd like to ask you at the moment you mentioned the average price in san francisco is two million dollars in the south of england to buy cheaper houses it just depends on the length of the commute so you move out further and people have moving people commute from bournemouth which uh, patricia knows very well who's uh, joined us um what's the commute like in san francisco if you're balancing traveling time against affordable housing well, the, yeah, that's a great question, and it used well, it still is. the The term was you drive until you can buy in the Bay Area, because from the city center, that's where you're going to have the highest price per square foot. And then the further out you go, 
And I, I actually live in Marin, which is on the, the north side. So I, I get to cross over the Golden Gate Bridge to go home every day. And uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's a bucolic. In fact, if you drive north and you find the first field with cows, I live next to that field. So it's it's and it's only a half an hour to San Francisco by car. So it, it's I'm really just uh, happy about that. And what we're seeing, especially with the the whole world of Zoom, is that people can work you know remotely and you know maybe come into the office a couple of times a week, but that gives them options to to drive further and and enjoy a, lar a nicer lifestyle. So we see see a lot of that. Um, yeah, and of course you don't catch a train or anything like that. You know, no one would dream of driving into London, Craig. You know that finished about twenty years ago. In fact, it cost you twelve pounds to uh, drive into London with a diesel car, or might be twenty-five now. It's been going up like mad. What about you? Must have some commuter trains, mustn't you? Like the other cities in the world. Well, we do have we do have we have different um, transportation systems. Certainly, we've got we have a BART line, which is the Bay Area transportation and it's a it's a it's a rail line and we also have ferries so where i'm at in the the north bay if we want we could take the ferry ferry boats into downtown san francisco which is a great commute so we do have options it costs about right around nine dollars now to drive across the golden gate bridge okay. so that you know so it is expensive if you if you drive but it, for, for me, it works a little bit better because of the type of work I'm involved with. Sure, sure. And what about, uh, final question uh, to you, is what about extensions, people extending their houses? Is it difficult to get planning permission and, and all the regulatory issues? And do you have to pay tax? Yeah. You have to pay tax here on, uh, on extensions as well. VAT at 20%, I believe it's still 20%. I found this there, there is a push for that. What we have are called accessory dwelling units, which are also known as ADUs is the acronym. And those are small, tiny houses. If you have the square footage, the city allows you to add those units, either inside the structure itself or outside. So if you want to you know, add a small little house to the back of your lot, you can do that. It, this is a double-edged sword, though, what we're seeing in San Francisco. On the paper, it sounds great. Okay, I'm going to add another unit, and I'm going to Airbnb it, or I'm going to rent that unit out to a tenant. Well, the problem that we see is that the city of San Francisco, in particular, is taking that single-family home now and converting it into a two-unit building. And so for tax purposes, it reaches, it, it, it crosses a threshold where when you're a single family homeowner, you have certain tax benefits and opportunities, but you lose those when you go to units. And so it's a, it's kind of a slippery slope. So although on, on paper, it sounds good, there's some considerations that you have to have your eyes wide open when you go in that direction. But I like the idea. I think, you know, I'm a big proponent of building up as opposed to building out because um, for example, behind me is uh, this is a field next to my university in Colorado. There's no houses there. And sometimes I think the best purpose for that piece of land is to leave it natural. And you know the best way to do that is to utilize the serve the 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 lot that you have. So I'm a big proponent of of, of building up. 
And what last question, what would the typical size be of one of these AD ADUs? I'm sure there's one or mm -hmm. two architects on here itching to yeah. know. Well, I, I think in the ADU units, it's not uncommon to see 400 to 600 square feet. Okay, thank you. I have no idea. Being a, a layman, I have no idea how how big or small that is, but people on this yeah. will understand exactly. So that's fine. Well, four hundred square feet would be the equivalent of say a two car garage. If you had two cars oh, no. in a space right. side by side, that's about four hundred square feet. So if you take that and maybe double it, you know, between that and you know, that it gives you a sense of the square footage we're referring to. Okay, thanks, Craig. That's great. Uh, will you stay on for other questions? I want to switch back to Alan now. Um, and Alan, extensions, uh, extras, building costs in the UK. How's that uh, with you? How's that? Uh, how are you seeing that? Well, it's it's very very difficult now because obviously um, pr prices of materials have gone up, um, and uh, builders of you know have been good builders are sort of difficult to find and um so pe so people are struggling in fact you know they're not wanting to go forward with any development on the, their property because they're, they're sort of scared of what the prices are going to end up like it's going to you know it could be 40 60 percent more um, really? wow i mean i i started a re refurbishment of my house not a particularly good time about two months ago and uh, you know it's a bit of a you know Giving the builder your checkbook and say, "Go on, carry on, just carry on." <laughs> but um, so that's difficult. But the other aspect in this country certainly is the impact of energy and retrofitting. Retrofitting is where you we have in UK we probably have nine million houses which are in very poor condition and are, and are not operating in terms of you know they're they're never going to be efficient. Um, from an energy perspective, unless a lot of money is put into them, a lot of care and attention. And they're often in areas or tenures which won't sustain people, you know, they, they're rented or whatever, they're not going to do it. So in many ways, the government has to step in or funded by maybe some of these windfall taxes from the energy companies, you know, it can't be direct from them because that's, that's that shouldn't be a direct line, but it uh, seems to me if we're going to use windfall, uh, the, the the energy company's windfall taxes, you know, that we really need to get serious about improving the housing stock of um, UK PLC, you know, and that's right across the board. That's a massive job though, Alan, and, and you, well, you know our house, it's been insulated 30 years ago, but hasn't had anything else done to it am i going to be in trouble when i sell it because i haven't spent money on it well your house has got cavity walls it's it's got it's big enough where you can actually you you can do that you know it's basically the floor walls and ceiling or roof you you you, you up the end the uh, insulation there you get decent ventilation and then you can start to use you know economic energy to to get your heating mm. so uh, so not that difficult. And at your price, it's going to, you know, the price of the property you have is going to be worth doing. But there's lots of these which are either too small or, or, uh, or you know, on the edge of being viable in any sense. So uh, I know I sound a bit of a doom monger here, but um, it, it is quite depressing uh, going forward. You know, we talked about not having any more gas boilers and uh, 
not having fracking and not, you know, the, but energy, we just need to, we just need to find a way, don't we? You know, in a, in a clean yeah. green way. Yeah. But, but we, we do, you know, and I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be very wealthy if I could solve that myself. Sure. Sure. I've got a few other questions uh, to ask as well, but uh, um, what about planning permission? Something I didn't ask Craig is, um, is planning permission getting easier, better? Are we going to get more? Is, is our new prime minister going to allow more building on um, green belt, green fields? What do you think is going to happen? Not me. Yeah. Or Craig. No, you first. Well, certainly, you know, um, there's a lot of development going on in areas which shouldn't be developed because the local plan, which is the local plan for the area, hasn't been adopted. So developers come in and and then they have the right to to put new housing to in inappropriate locations. Um, so you know this the democratic process of creating a, a local plan and is uh, it's just not working unfortunately and which is why which is why it's not it's not all joined up thinking you know in terms of parking and facilities and doctors practices and schools it's it, it's it's a mess and um you know i'd love to say it wasn't but it but it yeah. but it is well, I'm sure you make a lot of money advising people on how to do it, Alan. Um, it's your turn for the drinks next week, by the okay, way. Okay, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Craig, Craig, and then I'd like to come to Alan Dunsmore, if you don't mind, Alan. Um, Craig, um, what about uh, planning permissions in um, in the Bay Area? Is, is that easy, difficult? I, I think that they have it down to where it's fairly easy. I think there are a lot of information's online and you can you can research and do a lot of work online. And then when you do have to deal with the planning process, it just, it takes longer. Everything's just taking longer right now. Um, it, that just, it where the planning process used to take maybe three to six months to get the proper permits, it's probably another three months or so. So you're probably looking at nine months to get the proper permits. And sometimes it takes a little longer depending on the complexity of the, the project. And we also have expediters. So if you do want to have somebody that you can hire that has had experience with the planning department, sometimes they're they're very useful to use. Okay, thanks. And um, Alan uh, Dunsmore, I, I, wonder, I was thinking about these prices that are going up that um, was mentioned by um, by um, Alan McCulloch, uh, Alan, you need to unmute yourself. Uh, what are you What are you experiencing? You must be uh, working on things where the price has gone through the roof. Yeah, yeah, all our projects are affected by that. So we're working across uh, all sectors. We're in housing, education, healthcare, um, West End theatre refurbishment, and every project at the moment has been affected. And um, contractors especially are you know finding it very difficult um to give fixed prices beyond you know even two weeks later the price of materials will have gone two up weeks. Wow. um you know so it's very it's very di difficult for them to sort of negotiate um and pin down prices on projects at the moment um steel work especially has gone through the roof even timber um on a lot of projects is is yeah all, all the costs are going up um it may i don't know I was, I was at a talk the other day so things may bottom out or stabilize in the next year 
Um, this interest rates will reach a peak, hopefully tail end of 2023 into 2024. They may start to stabilise, but that's a whole other sort of economic <laughs> talk and prediction there. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, it is a, it's a major issue in the industry. Um, and we're finding that, you know, more and more projects in the last year um, have gone on hold. So, so the clients may take the projects up to planning and then sit on them and wait for, you know, the economic circumstances to stabilise. Mm. Um, you know, that's clients who can afford to do that and don't need the sort of immediate sales. So major house builders or uh, major commercial clients. So, yeah, that so is you, it's having a bigger build, impact. It, is there an escalation clause built into sort of fixed price contracts, you know, on inflation or uh, materials index or something like that? Yeah, there will there'll be all sorts of clauses good in there and, and all sorts of, sort of agreements and deals being done um, on the projects that are that are going ahead. Do you know what I mean? So um, unless the contractors are, are confident enough, um, then, yeah, there's, okay. there's all sorts of things happening at the moment the biggest the biggest problem at the moment actually isn't the um increase in materials prices it's the uh, instability in the country and and how the country's been run mm. at the moment is causing the, the most issue at the moment gee whiz gee whiz yeah. it come down to that okay thanks yeah. thanks alan answer uh, yes or no answer do you think rishi will cancel high speed too Yes or no? Uh, no. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, okay. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's half, it's almost half built now. And uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that, Alan. I'm just going to go around the panellists to, to see if they've got uh, anything else to add before I wrap up. And then we'll deal with the questions in the chat box after that. Nick, I've left you out a bit there. You're sitting there in your all your greenery. Uh, final thoughts from you? And ultimately, final thoughts. It's great to have a new PM. Definitely, that that's good to get that out of the way relatively quickly. As I said earlier, I think we need stability. Who knows long term where interest rates are going? Um, I've seen one comment in the chat box about um, property prices possibly going up on a limited basis over the next twelve months or so. Ultimately, it comes down to uh, nobody knows. It's just best guess and. Um, just stay sensible and don't overreact but don't underreact either mm, that's an interesting one i don't think prices property prices will go up because i don't think i think it's the affordability tests on the uh, mortgage providers that will be the uh, biggest issue but we're all going to have different opinions on that final thought from you craig wow i have so many thoughts along this these lines um i appreciated nick's comments and alan's regarding the stability uh, I think it's a, the our local our you know our governments need to really step it up and do what's right and you know we've certainly had our challenges here, but is it reflects on the uh, the economy and how it reflects on our real estate market? You have the inflation issue, of course. We've got the cost of uh, materials, and there's a lot of different a lot of different factors that we have to deal with that are you know it's hard it's hard, but. I think the positive thing is real estate is probably the best hedge against inflation. So if you have real estate and you're enjoying it now, you have a roof over your head. I mean, that's that's really a, it's a great sense of security and stability in itself. 
And as far as the future goes, I, I can just tell you, my family, we've been putting some of our resources aside. We are going back into the investment mode. So we are actually really bullish on buying. And we're not, we're not the type of buyers that are looking to get the cheapest price. We just want a fair deal. And we think this is the market that we're going into where investors can flourish. Sure, we'll pay more at interest rates, but there's that that over time will take care of itself. So we're we're very optimistic here. Okay. Thanks, Craig. I mean, I think in the UK, and it is a question in the chat box, whether you buy investment property, the gov the previous government was passing all sorts of laws to make it more and more difficult with investment properties and and taxation. So the answer mm -hmm. to that question is you need to look very carefully at that before you buy something. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining us, uh, Craig, and I hope you'll stay on uh, stay on afterwards um, to enjoy some banter. And uh, Alan, last final thoughts from you. Well, it's been really good to hear Craig. It's quite, uh, you know, I've been to San Francisco once and, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a great city. There's no doubt about that and unique. Um, so back to your question, I mean, my view is, the, the big developers in the UK are just, you know, have some terrible ethics. The way they've gone about, for example, you know, the, the cladding scandal, you know, how can that possibly carry on for as long as it has done? And, and you know, all aspects of development by, you know, these so-called top developers, but they really are playing fast and loose with, with all sorts of regulations and putting pressure on, um, local authorities to pass things which they shouldn't and uh, just because they're uh, they're not controlled properly so and I, I don't want a communist state but you know I do I do want uh, people to do the right thing thanks Alan and uh, big thanks to all three of my guest experts and to Ken Mead providing his input to Craig Adams in San Francisco to Nick Richardson in uh, Guildford and to Alan McCulloch also in Guildford. And uh, please join me again if you're watching this on YouTube or the Negotiators podcast. Please pass it on to your friends. Thanks for joining us and uh, see you next week.